All right, I'm excited. My voice is booming. I can hear it. Ooh, yeah. We're going to look at that. So we are in the Word, and uh, our 40 days in the Word is turning into 80 days in the Word or something like that. I hope it's 365 days in the Word for you. And our goal during this season is to establish in our life the pattern that the most important daily routine and habit you can establish in any, by bar none, in your entire life, the, the greatest thing you could do every day, the greatest habit you could have every day is to develop a time in God's Word where you're connecting, you're hungering for God, you're looking at His Word, you're, you're listening to what He's saying to you, and you're connecting with Him, okay? So the Word is not a book for you just to read. It is for you to connect with God, to hear from God, to see what God is showing you, to be, be filled with life. And so um, we're in this thing, and we've been doing this for, I don't know, is this week six now? Or week five? Uh, week six, I think. So we're about, we're about done with the first 40 days, and we're just getting started. Now, the, 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 the goal here is to establish this as a lifelong pattern, okay? So some of you have taken this challenge on. Some of you are new to the faith, new to church, and you've just, you said, okay, I'm going to try it. And some of you, uh, you know, have been a, a Christian for a long time, but never really established a daily reading time. And some of you are making that choice too. And some of you have already had this pattern in your life, which is awesome, how many of you are trying to establish a daily routine of reading God's Word in your life? How many? Let me just witness to your, your all right, that's awesome. Now, I am, as you know, a coach. I coach cross-country, I'm coaching track this spring, and I'm coaching you, okay? I see myself as a spiritual coach. And so sometimes when I am in a season and we had some goals and we're getting after it, and we're having some initial enthusiasm, we have some initial success, and then summer around, you know, the middle of that season, there's always these times where we're like, oh, wait a minute, this is, you know, the initial excitement's over, and we're like, man, I don't know if I can do this, or some resistance, there's still some changes that we're trying to fight through, and that's when I get all fired up, I'm like, come on now, it's time to reconnect, refire uh, to do this. How many of you know it's hard to make a lifelong change, right? So there's resistance, there's old patterns that need to be broken, there's new patterns that need to be started. And in this case, because this is the most important thing you could do, you also have some significant resistance. You have an enemy that does not want you to discover who you really are in him. He doesn't want you to discover the truth because the truth will set you free. The only power the enemy has over you is is either that you don't know who you are or you're believing a lie that he's told you. And so either way, those things are all disarmed when you become a person of the word of God, right? Because now you're becoming wise unto salvation. The scriptures um, says that it, they make us wise unto salvation, wise unto healing, wise unto forgiveness, wise unto blessing, wise unto prosperity, Wise unto freedom. You see what I'm saying? That's what salvation is. It's freedom. It's healing. It's forgiveness. Right? So the Bible says it makes us wise unto these things, and, uh, and it destroys the enemy's grip on our hearts because it's all about those lies that he's trying to get us to, to understand. So I got a pre-message uh, me message for you, okay? A pre-message message. Get, get warmed up. 
just loosened up a little bit, fired up here, okay? This is one of these big, bad swords that I hold in my office. This is a monster. That's a serious sword right here. Now, I don't actually think it's, it's meant for actually hitting anything, but it looks pretty scary, doesn't it? Big sword. Now, here's what uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to pull our memory verse out of this passage, okay? It says in verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So last week, I was talking about how we live actually in two different worlds at the same time. There's a spiritual world and a physical world, right? So we're right now, we're in a physical world, but there's a spiritual world going on too, and you are a spirit, but you also have a physical body that you're, you're, you're living in right now. So in the spiritual world, the spiritual world came first, and then the physical. Therefore, the physical world is subject to the spiritual world. Can I get an amen on that? Which means if you ever want to change in the physical, you've got to access the change in the spiritual. You want to see something different here? You have to find the truth there. And once you begin to grab a hold of the truth there, and you speak it here, it changes the here. Okay, the second thing is that the physical is temporary, but the spiritual is eternal. So the, the, the spiritual is by far the more powerful than the physical. It, it created the physical, and it's going to last beyond the physical. You with me? Okay, so why are we giving so much attention to the physical? The Bible says, put your eyes on Jesus. Think about things that are eternal, not, not temporary. Get your focus on the right things because there's a higher, stronger, more permanent truth than the circumstances that you're looking at right now. Okay, so anyway, the Bible says we're living in this world, but we're not fighting this world, the physical world, with physical weapons. Now, I have a physical weapon here, but it's a symbol to what we'll look at in a second. It says the weapons that we fight with, this is verse 3 or 4, somewhere in there, I think 3. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, on the contrary. So, if they're not weapons of the world, on the contrary, they must be weapons of what? Of the spiritual world, okay? Because they're not of this world. On the contrary, the only other option is they're from the other world, which is spiritual world. So our weapons are spiritual. And is spiritual more powerful than the physical? Yes, okay? So it says they have divine power. Divine, what does divine mean? It means of God. So it, the weapons we have have God power. The weapons of this world has man power. The weapons of this world, man. The weapons of the spirit world, God. God power. So we have God weapons to demolish strongholds. Okay? So now here's our memory verse. Verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's the verse. Memorize that verse this week. Meditate on it and let God start to speak to you on, on what our real battle is. Okay? Our real battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. It is against uh, these powers and principalities 
and the lies of the enemy that's setting up arguments against the knowledge of God, lies that are saying, oh, God is, doesn't really love you, or, or God's not really for you, or he hasn't really forgiven you, or, oh, you did that again? Well, you know, now God's really mad at you. Now you can't do this. Now you can't do that. And so these are all lies or arguments that are pretensions. All of this is talking about thoughts, thoughts. And the Bible gives us a weapon against those, against those attacks, right? And it is called what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is where I'm, I'm trying to rally our troops, okay? That maybe it's been difficult for you to establish a daily, you know, routine of reading the Scriptures, or maybe you're having a hard time memorizing a verse a week like I'm challenging you to. But I want to tell you, do not give up. You need to do this. This is the most important thing of your life, of your daily routine, because it is a sword, and you are forging your sword. You, you need to have a sword to fight against these lies that come against you that's trying to hold you back from who God said that you are. And you can get a bigger sword. You can forge your sword. It can get stronger and bigger, and, and you will be able to defeat more of those arguments and those lies that come against us. And so this is our weapon. Our weapon is of divine power. It is God's word. It's the sword of the spirit, which actually is the real battle. The real battle is in the mind, right? We want an enemy to stand up in front of us. We want to actually beat somebody and fight somebody and swing a sword at somebody. But you can't do that because it's your thoughts. The enemy comes and gives you thoughts, arguments, pretensions against the knowledge of God, lies about who God is or who you are or what your circumstances look like or this is the way it's always going to be or, you know, this is all you got or all this physical stuff. Get your eyes off of what the truth is in the spiritual realm so that you don't access the promises of God and put them into place and change, change the physical realm. That's what the enemy's trying to do, stunt you, shackle you, keep you down, keep you depressed, keep you away from all the promises of God. So I got another verse I want to share with you. Our weapons come from God. They have, uh, they have divine power. They demolish these thoughts and these arguments. The Word of God demolishes these things. The truth is our weapon. God's Word is, our, is the truth. It's called the sword of the Spirit. And as we battle, we are battling thoughts and beliefs and opinions and cultural ideas we're battling all of those lies because if we buy any of those lies, if we believe any of those lies that are not true, then we are shortened, we're, we're shrunk, we're diminished of, of what God wants for us to have, okay? So here's, here's the analogy. This last uh, weekend, I think it was Saturday, last Saturday, our, uh, some of you know this, but the Michigan had their high school athletic association had their uh, state wrestling tournament. And we had three guys from Montrose go to the state finals. And we had one guy win a state championship. Jake Elasevich, uh, he's a sophomore. He's a state champion. Uh, he was on my cross-country team. I can't take any credit for it, though. You know, I didn't teach him how to wrestle. But I'm just proud of him. But the Bible here, this verse here that we're memorizing, is a wrestling verse. It is a wrestling verse. This is an analogy that Paul is using on purpose. Okay, so I want, I want to look at it here. It says, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive 
every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Some of your Bibles will read it differently and it'll say, to make it submit to Christ. This is a wrestling term. If you've ever seen a wrestling match, the idea is we are wrestling with these thoughts. And we get, you know, we're wrestling, we're getting our, you know, have you ever seen people getting their arms on their heads and they're, they're trying to get a leg and they're trying to get on top of the other person and they get around them, they try to get them down to the ground and now there's a ref down there and they're trying to get them pinned and they get an arm and they twist them on their back and they're trying to get them down. What are they trying to do? They are wrestling to take captive and they're trying to submit them, to pin them. They get their, both of their shoulder blades down on the mat. The ref goes like that, slaps the mat. It's over. They won. That is the, it's over. They defeated it. And that is the term that Paul is using for this verse. He says, we're in a wrestling match. How many of you know we're in a wrestling match? We're wrestling with our thoughts all the time. We're wrestling with those thoughts, and the Bible says, don't let one of those thoughts get the best of you. Don't get pinned by one of those thoughts. You pin those thoughts. You get on top of that thing, and you wrestle it down until it taps out, and it gives up. Now, how do you do that? The Bible says, we don't do it with the weapons of this world. What are the weapons of this world? You know, uh, self-help books and self-determination and, you know, my will and my, my strength. I'm going to make this change in my life. But I says, it doesn't work. That's manpower. But we have weapons that are not of this world that have divine power, and that is what? It is the Word of God. This is how you win the wrestling match of the thoughts and the beliefs and the arguments and the opinions that are contrary to God. You beat it down with this right here. One verse at a time. One word at a time. You're like, shink, shink, you know, tink, 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 adding a little bit more, getting a little bit thicker, getting a little bit stronger, and you're beating those thoughts down. You are wrestling them. You're demolishing them. You're defeating them until those thoughts tap out and they're gone. And you're not to let any, any thought get the best of you. That's contrary to God. So if you're, if you're dealing with, uh, you know, thoughts of unworthiness or guilt or shame or not good enough or, you know, struggling with, with different things like that, here's what you can do. You can't give up. You can't give ground to that thought. That thought's trying to pin you. It's trying to label you, trying to keep you shackled to the past or to other people's opinions or to your mistakes. It's trying to label you as something that doesn't belong to you. It's not who you are. And so how do you do that? You don't do that by just you know, uh, moping around or having a pity party or, you know, talking to people. You do that with the Word of God. You're fighting with the Word of God. You take the promises of God and you just pound it in to your heart and your mind until that thing swallows up the old thoughts and that becomes your new identity in Christ, okay? The second part of this pre-message for you is Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay? Now, it's not saying you be strong. He's like, be strong in the Lord and in his power. His power. Okay? And why? Why do we need to be strong? It says here, put on the full armor of God 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Very interesting. The devil has schemes. He has plans. He has traps. He's trying to trap us. He's trying to trick us. He's trying to deceive us. That's what his schemes are. We already know. Jesus already told us that, that he's out to deceive. He's out to steal from you. He's out to take from you. He's trying to hurt you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to resist God's word in you. He, He doesn't want you to be alive and prosperous and healthy and successful. He doesn't want you to be filled with joy and peace because you will replicate that. But if you're filled with pain and hurt and unforgiveness and bitterness, you'll replicate that, right? Because we reproduce who we are. And if the, if the son of God rises up inside of you and the, and the child of God of who you really are begins to happen in you, that's what you're going to begin to produce around you, like more life, more freedom, more joy, more healing. devil doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for anybody around you. He's out to destroy us, kill us. Why? Because we bear the image of God. We bear his image. And so the devil it has plans to trick you, deceive you, lie to you, steal from you. And so the Bible says you need to do something in order to resist those plans or those schemes. And that something is to put on the whole armor of God or the full armor of God. And it goes through here and it says what those, those things are. Now, again, these are analogies to something in the spiritual realm, not physical. But here's the, the physical analogy is, it says for our struggle or our wrestling match, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the, when the, the struggle happens, you can be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Sometimes we're offensive and we're taking ground. And sometimes we're just standing and holding our ground, right? Sometimes God says it's time to move. It's time to gain. It's time to go forward and and liberate somebody and take some ground and step out. There's other times where the enemy comes upon us and we need to stand. Hold on a minute. We need to stand and keep that ground. So sometimes we're attacking and moving forward. Other times... We get sucker punched and we get attacked from the side or from the rear and God wants us to hold our ground, stand our ground, don't lose the ground, right? So it's one thing to be advancing, but if you're not protecting what you already have, what's the point? So we got to have both. And so the Bible says, do this so that you can stand your ground. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, and in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all, everybody say all, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Real quick. Here's what I want to point out to you. Our, our battle is against uh, these powers of darkness, okay? It's not against one another, even though it looks like it. 
and we don't wrestle one another. We wrestle the wrong thoughts that the devil is trying to come at us with. Remember, ha-satan is a Hebrew word, means the accuser. That's where we get the word Satan from. It's from the Hebrew ha-satan, the accuser. That's his job. That's what he does. He accuses. He condemns. He tries to trick and deceive. That's what he does. So the Bible says that this is the sort of spirit which combats the lies, combats those, those thoughts that are, not, that are not godly, are not right, not true. And so we need to have that. But this is what I want to show you, is the armor of God is all about the truth of who we are in God. I've been praying this prayer for years and years and years, and I just saw this a little bit differently yesterday. Just saw it differently. You know, I used to go, okay, God, I put on the belt book of truth. Uh, you know, I'll take up the shield of faith. I uh, put on the helmet of salvation. I take up, you know, uh, my feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. The glory of the Lord is my rear guard. I take the sword of spirits of the word of God. I wrap myself in the robes of righteousness and vengeance for, 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 my, for your name's sake. Your banner over me is love. And I, I'd pray that prayer, but really what Paul is saying is this is the truth. The armor of God is the truth that protects us against the lies. Let me share it with you this way. The truth um, is the book of truth. Righteousness, that I am made right, I am forgiven. Okay, what does that do for me? What, what part of, of uh, how does that protect me? It protects me from all of the lies that I'm not good enough, I'm not forgiven, I should be ashamed of myself, I should feel guilt, I should punish myself, I, I'm not qualified. I mean, there's probably a couple hundred lies right there that if you wrap yourself in the fact every morning, I am forgiven, I have been made righteous. Why? Because of what Christ has done for me, not because of what I've done. That just, boom, takes care of all those lies, right? That's the armor, realizing that's who I am. How about this? Peace, peace. Uh, peace is, you know, like shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Christ has paid it all. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, and I just got to say the amen. I just got to get myself to agree with God, and so there's nothing missing, nothing broken in my life, and if there is, he paid a price for it to be fixed or provided for me, right? God has given me everything that I need for life and for godliness. Everything I need for life means money, shelter, health, wisdom, parenting skills, marriage skills, you know, financial uh, wherewithal. And everything for godliness, righteousness, salvation, eternal life, victory over my enemy. Sounds pretty good. How many lies did we just, just take care of right there? Thousands. Thousands of lies right there. If you got the, the peace, your feet are, are, are fitted with the gospel of peace that brings peace to you. And wherever you go, you can offer peace to others. They can have peace with God. You can take that peace with God. The message to any person on planet earth, and you can have confidence that that message is for them too, no matter what they've ever done, no matter who they are, no matter where they are, no matter what gender they are, what color skin they have, what language they speak, what sins they've done, that message is for them because it's for you too. How many of you, you think the devil doesn't want you to have your feet fitted with the gospel of peace, Right? in the grocery store, in the hallways of your school, in math class, on the track, at work, next door neighbor, 
walking in the park, wherever you are, at any time, no matter who it is, you can bring peace to them. Wow. What about uh, faith? Faith. It says that that is what extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy that comes at you. All the new lies that you haven't been dealing with yet. And all of a sudden, Monday, here comes a fiery dart. And if you have faith, what does faith mean? To put your faith, your trust in the Lord. That God's got your back. He's got your front. He's got your future. He's covered your past. He's got it all covered. You can trust in him. He's for you. He's not against you. He's got the best in mind for you. He's the all-powerful one. And, and your, your eyes are not going to be focused on the here and now. There's a higher truth that swallows up the temporary truth, right? That's faith, no matter what comes against you, that you know your God is with you and he's for you. But where does that come from? Faith comes from where? Hearing the word of God. All of this is why this is so important. This is a pep talk for you. Try to help you realize this matters. Every day it matters. Every day it matters. Salvation, wow, I'm saved, I'm forgiven. My, my, my security, I'm, I'm secure. What, what does that do for me? It allows me to freely give my life away because I got everything, I, I mean, I got eternity. I have nothing here I have to cling to, strive for, hope for. I got it all. I got eternity, eternal security through my faith in Christ. So I am a, uh, a warhead that is armed for God today. So are you. Wherever you go, you have nothing to lose. You already got it all. You're saved. You know what that means? Well, the more you read your Bible, the more you will. I'm just saying. The Word of God, that's your sword. Prayer. And, uh, and uh, all of these things are not just like figurative, like, yeah, just put this on, just say this prayer, a magical prayer, and go on your day. No, it's like, thinking these things through. This is who I am. This is what God says about me. And that just kills thousands and thousands and thousands of lies of the enemy that comes against us. So, let's get in to the Word of God. Amen? All right, so let's talk about the message today. This is uh, part two of last week's message on illumination and seeing what God wants me to see. And um, there's five Five quick points I want to make on this about um, how do I see what God wants me to see. The first one is I must begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you can't, you, you don't have the spiritual senses yet to be able to see what God wants you to see. You can't hear, you don't have spiritual ears yet, you don't have your spiritual eyes open, your spiritual heart, uh, because you're not born again. Your spirit is dead. So today, if you're not right with God, give your life to Jesus Christ. You, you can transfer over from death to life, and you can be born again. Your spirit can be born again. And when you're born again, when you surrender your heart to Christ and you recognize your need for a Savior and that he's the only one who can forgive you of your sins, and you humble yourself before God, and you place your faith in him, the Bible says you are born again and your spirit comes alive in God, and all of a sudden, now you have spiritual life. You have a spiritual life. You're no longer spiritually dead. You're spiritually alive. And now you can begin to discern the spiritual world. And you can begin to hear spiritual truths and see spiritual things. And God will open your eyes and begin to show you things that you, you just were blinded to before. 
This is what the Bible says about that. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. How many of you know some, somebody that is not a believer and they just don't get it? You can talk to them about some things and they think you're crazy, you know? Because they don't, they don't see it. They don't get it yet. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people in this world right now who are imprisoned in their darkness of foolishness. Just foolishness. The ideas of this world right now are just extremely ridiculous and foolish and self-destructive. And, it, it, and, you, and you, uh, a spiritually sensitive person looks and hears of ideas of the world, and you're just like, what? How can you even think that? Because, because we see what God sees, but the world does not see. Um, it says here that, you know, they stumble in the darkness and they don't even know what they're stumbling on because they can't see. Um, John 3, 3, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. You can't see the kingdom. You can't see unless you're born again. If you need to be born again today, today's a great day to come alive. Today's a great day to come alive. You can do that today. All right. Now, Psalm 36.9, I was reading uh, this week through my Bible reading and came across this verse. I thought I'd throw it in there. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So as we walk in fellowship with God and as we walk in his word, we begin to see what God wants us to see, okay? But we need to be born again. Number two, I must ask God in faith to open my eyes. Have you, have you been asking God as you open your Bible, God, speak to me. God, show me. God, these are not just words. I need spiritual revelation. I need my spiritual eyes and my spiritual ears and my spiritual touch and sensitivity. I need, Lord, move upon me. I want to see what you see. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to feel what you feel. Help me, Lord. Open my eyes, okay? If you haven't been doing that, do that. Every time you start to open the Bible, say, Lord, speak to me. I'm not just reading this book. God, I want to hear from you. I want you to just speak to me right where I'm at, Lord. Open my eyes. Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. This is something you should do every time you open your Bible. Uh, James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Goes on to say, but don't doubt. Don't doubt. Just ask God for wisdom, and he'll give you wisdom. Isn't that good to know? You can get wisdom for parenting and for marriage and for finances and for decisions and for goals and for which college you want to go to and, you know, all these kinds of things. You can ask God, God, help me. Open my eyes. I want to see what you see. You created me on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. I want to walk in alignment with your will for my life. So, God, bring it on. Show me the path. Light my path. Let your word give me that direction that I need. Amen? All right, so Matthew 7, 7, Jesus is talking. This is pretty cool. I never knew this until just recently. 
Um, these three things, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Those three words, ask, seek, and knock, take the first letter of each of those and it spells out the acrostic, ask. Isn't that cool? Ask, A, seek, S, knock, K, ask, ask. Seek him. Knock on those doors. Oh, God, I want more. I'm hungry. Show me. Give me. Let me be blessed. Let me know you more. Let me, let me experience you more. Uh, and as you are asking according to God's will, it will be done. Amen? So let's ask God. Let's ask him. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's pretty awesome. God says, I'm going to counsel you. I'll, I'll teach you. I'll speak to you. Now, we got to take time to listen because God says, I will counsel you. I will teach you. I will guide you. I will, I will help you. That's pretty sweet. But we need to give God time to do that, okay? Number three, uh, to help me see, you know, what God wants me to see, I need to come with a humble attitude. The Bible says that God resists the proud. That's a scary thought. But he gives grace to the humble. And so we need to come with a humble attitude, a very hungry, humble attitude. If you've ever been in a position as a teacher, a coach, a boss, or even a parent, and you have a person under your care coming to you with a humble, hungry attitude, how many of you love that? You are just ready to just give them all your extra time and effort because they want it. If you're a teacher, a coach, or a parent, and you're a child, or whatever, and they come, and they, they genuinely want to know something, or they, they're hungry to learn something, you're just like, you're just ready to pour it on them, right? And, and that's, that's what God's like with us. But when we're proud, the Bible says he actually resists the proud because he, because you think you got the answers, okay, go try it. You're on your own until you're broken enough, I guess, humble enough to realize that you need me. So we come to God with a humble attitude, okay? 20, uh, Psalm 25, 9 says, he, humbles the, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And of course, I heard this prayer this morning, or this comment this morning, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know, we, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We don't lean on our own pride, our own understanding, our own means, right? But in all of our areas of our life, in all of our ways, we acknowledge God, and he will direct our path. He will guide us, Okay? Number four out of five, I need to cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. Let's talk about sin first. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see. Everybody say see. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many of you want to see God? How many of you wish you were pure? When I was young, I'm like, how can I be pure? I know myself too well. And, and then, uh, but this word here, pure, doesn't mean perfect. Doesn't mean perfect. So, pastor, are you, are you saying what I think you're saying? Could I possibly be included in this verse? Could I possibly know what purity is and it, it would apply to me? Yes. We got good news for you today. Pure, okay, in this sense, means to be current in your walk with God. So if you know there's sin in your life, you know that you have made mistakes, but you humbly come to God and you confess your sins to God and you repent and you say, God, I need help. This isn't who I want to be. And you're current. God forgives you. You're the pure in heart. Isn't that good news? God's mercy is new once a week. 
No, it's not once a week. It's not on Sundays only. No. See, you've been reading your Bible, right? Yep. His mercy is new on Easter and on Christmas. Nope. Every morning. Brand new mercy is available to you. And it doesn't even mean every morning. It doesn't even mean you can't have mercy at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't mean that. It means God's mercy is flowing towards you at all times. All times. So therefore, if you're current with your walk with God, you're pure and you can see God. But you need to be current. You can't live in sin and see what God wants you to see. You can't just pour uh, junk into your life constantly, living in sin and just you know, swallowing garbage and pouring oil on yourself and, and, and smelly things and just living in garbage and you know, living in sin and, and just submerged in sin and expect to be able to experience God and his blessings. And, his, and not that God's not there, but your sin is capti- captivating you. It's clogging you up. It's just cluttering you up. And so the Bible says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so prevalently tries to consume us. Get rid of that stuff. Get rid of it. And accept the word of God instead, planted in you, which can save you. Right? So um, it's not that we're perfect, but we can be current. And today and every day, it's a great day to say, God, you know, today I want to make sure that I'm current with you because I love you. And I may have made a mistake in the past, but I don't have to wait. I don't have to dwell on that. I don't have to pay like some kind of a timeout to get right with God. Right now, I can repent. Right now, I can get right with him. And right now, God's mercy is new towards me. Isn't that, isn't that good news? All right. I hope that's good news to you. But 1 John 2.11 says, anyone who hates, uh, this is the second part of that, I must cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. And... Uh, 1 John 2.11 says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. In other words, the Bible says, I can't be out of whack relationally with someone and be tight with God. The Bible says you, that it doesn't work that way. It says you can't say you love God and hate your brother. You can't have offense in your life and have hatred towards other people and say that you're, you're really tight with God and you're good with God because God doesn't roll that way. God rolls with forgiveness and mercy and love. And he says, you must forgive as I have forgiven you. You must forgive because that's the basis of our salvation is that God has forgiven you even though you haven't deserved it or earned it at all. But it's only by the forgiveness of God that we become brothers and sisters. That is the only thing that draws us into this thing called the family of God. And so we cannot then hold aught against a brother or sister and expect to see what God wants us to see and to be in this great relationship with God and hearing what he's saying. We can't. It's a circuit breaker. That's what it does. I always use that analogy because that's it. You have unforgiveness towards someone, boom. Circuit breaker goes off. God says, get that right before you even come to church. That's what he says. Jesus said that. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're in the church, you're at the service, and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, 
leave it. Leave the altar. Leave the service. Stop being pretentious. Go and find that person and reconcile with them and come back to service and worship me. Wow. Pretty serious. So here's the deal. You cannot be right with God and be wrong with others. You can't do that. You can't tell me that that's, that's, that's fine. It's not fine. It's not how it works. You cannot love God and hate others. You cannot be reconciled with God and, and not be reconciled with others. It is of absolute importance to God. He is our Father. We are His children. He demands that His children forgive each other because the only reason we're His children is because He has forgiven us. He absolutely demands that you forgive one another. And, and until you do that, you're not going to feel close to God. You're going to feel like you can't hear him. You're going to feel like these are just words on a page because you're blinded because of your unforgiveness. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sounds kind of a strong word, doesn't it? But it's true. We, if you want to see what God wants you to see, if you want to be close to God, you want to hear him, you want these words to pop off the page for you, then we need to get right with one another. We need to get rid of sin, get current with, with, with our relation with God, and then we got to get current with our relation with one another. Now, it's not always in your power to make everything right, but it is within your power to do everything you can to forgive, to reconcile, and, and that's all you can do, okay? And, but it's, that's what we need to do. Finally, the fifth statement here uh, as I close is I need to commit in advance to do what God says. If I want to see what God wants me to see, I need to come saying, Lord, whatever you show me, I'm all in, right? I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. My whole heart is in this. It's unqualified, unconditional obedience. So Psalm 119, verses 33 and 34 says this, Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Everybody say, all my heart. So we're all in. Right? God speaks to us. We're doing it. So James 1.22, this was our verse this last week, right? You guys want to try it? James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Do what it says. And so um, this, this, uh, this service, as we conclude this message, this service, I'd like to invite us as a family to just come forward for a couple of minutes at the end. We're going to do some worship. Just come forward, and let's just, just to spend some time just committing our, our hearts to the Lord. Um, you may have experienced some battles this week, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe we could pray with you and encourage you. Uh, maybe uh, one of these points here, maybe there's some sin in your life that you just, man, I got to get current i got to get current with God. I'm going to go up to that altar, and I'm just going to get rid of that stuff. I'm just going to, I want to be current with God, okay? His mercies are new every morning. How about, you, how about your devotion to him? How about that? Is he Lord of your life every morning? You know what I mean by that? Like, I, I know I got saved when I was six years old, but every day I make a point of uh, recommitting my, my life to the Lord. I need to. 
his mercies are new for me, but is he Lord of my life today? And so I want to encourage you to make him Lord of your life today, again today, and trust in him. And maybe you're dealing with a problem or, or a situation, and you need to see, because this whole message is about, I want to see what God wants me to see. God has answers, and he can open our eyes. His provision is already there for us. And maybe you're coming up to the altar just to seek him. Say, Lord, um, you're, like Pastor said, I'm coming to seek you for your wisdom, that you will guide me. You will counsel me in your way. So I came, I'm coming here to hear from you, Lord, specifically about this situation. You know I've been seeking you, and you, and you said to seek, and I'll find, to, to ask, uh, and, and uh, it'll be given, to knock, and that door will be open. So I'm coming, maybe you're coming this morning for a few minutes just to seek him, to ask him, to knock. Um, so you could be coming for a variety of reasons. I just want to invite you, let's just come. If you're able to physically to kneel, or you can stand, doesn't matter. We're just going to worship the Lord and... Uh, and we can pray for each other if you feel led to pray with someone. Uh, if you'd like prayer, uh, I'm going to be roaming around. Just give me that look. Pastor, I want prayer, you know. And I'll, I'll be really happy and blessed to pray with you and come alongside of you. Let's build our sword this week. Let's add one verse at a time. Our sword gets bigger and stronger, right? So if you're, if you're up for it, as we sing worship this morning, let's just take a couple minutes. Just to, just to get right with God, to do some battle with one another, to seek Him, to get current, um, and, and just believe that God's going to move in our hearts here before we go. Okay, Let's stand together, and uh, you can worship at your seat, or you can come forward for any of those reasons or your own reasons, and let's just take some time, a gift of time, just to seek Him. Thank you, Lord. God, as we worship you this morning... As we have talked about your word, we are wise unto the devil's schemes. He lies to us. He tries to deceive us and trick us. But Lord, we think that your word makes us wise unto salvation. Today, Lord, I pray that your word will just be stirred up in our hearts right across this room. For whatever situations or, or things that we're dealing with, that your word will surface. Holy Spirit, bring back to our remembrance the words of Jesus, the words of truth that set us free. May we have those, Lord, right now in our own hearts for what we need. And may we also have those words in our hearts for those that we will minister to today, this morning, before we go. That we will be encouragers to one another. We will fight with one another. Lord, that we will see you more clearly. God, move upon us this, this morning before we go. God, that we would we just have a touch from heaven. Encouragement, a breakthrough, a repentance. Whatever it is, God, we all come needing you and hungry for you. So move upon us, Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, we give this time to you now. We give ourselves to you now. Thank you, Lord. Let your love flow in this place in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Feel free to come. These guys are going to lead us in some songs.